0: Welcome into a special BGN radio brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist, and I say it's a special episode because today we have a chat for you between myself and Ed Valentine from Big Blue View to help us set up this upcoming Philadelphia Eagles New York Giants matchup this was a joint show so he'll be airing this as well on his podcast network aptly titled Big Blue View I encourage you to check them out if you want to keep tabs on what's going on with the New York Giants but for now we'll get you started on the transition to this week 12 game with our conversation and next up on Bleeding Green Nation podcast you'll be hearing from myself and Mark Schofield as we take an in-depth look at Eli Manning's game as we do for every enemy quarterback each week on the QB Scotia show. So keep an eye out for that. And before we get to this conversation with me and Ed, just a quick reminder that ratings and reviews really help new people find the show. So if you like and enjoy what we're doing here at Bleeding Green Nation and want to help more people discover the show, please leave a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. If they're funny or uh, especially complimentary of me and Ben especially, me and Ben will probably read them soon on the Kisten Solak show. So get those in. Get a shout out from us and help us out. We really do appreciate it. Okay, enough of that. Let's kick it over to my conversation with Ed Valentine from BigBlueView.com. So Ed, how you doing, brother? It's been a while since we spoke. Good, Michael. Good. How are you? Uh, Not doing too great. Uh, As you know, things in Philadelphia aren't fantastic. Um, Our offensive coordinator has lit the world on fire by basically stating his uh, inability to get Golden Tate involved in the offense. And, you know, with the offense scoring seven points against New Orleans Saints, uh, it's not too too great here in Philadelphia. But you guys, your offense is uh, doing much better.
1: Well, you know the uh, it, it's kind of amazing the the it's a relative place is it not i mean the eagles are the eagles are still 4 and 6 as bad as right. things are and, and the giants are are 3 and 7 and and it feels like they're on top of the world right now because
0: they've won two weeks in a row. So it's it's a it's a relative world, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're, we're going to preview this for, for listeners of both shows. We're going to have this up on our respective uh, podcast feeds and everything like that. But we just wanted to have a conversation about this game, me and Ed. So if the format's a little bit weird, no one's really hosting it. We're just kind of bouncing things back and forth off of each other. Uh, Ed, I wanted to hit you up with a, with a major question first, though, about the quarterback play for the new york giants and you know quarterbacks on the year against the tampa bay buccaneers have combined for a 74.7 completion rate 25 touchdowns one interceptions uh, and a quarterback rating of 124.9 mark Schofield the big blue view actually brought that to my attention so those numbers are like worthy of of MVP consideration, and I don't think it's a secret that the Tampa Bay your secondary, not unlike the Eagles secondary right now, so this may not even matter. Uh, but that they're be they're, they're a little bit beat up and they're they're fielding not a complete team. That said, you still have to execute. And Eli Manning did that against the Buccaneers, seven for 18, 231 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a 155.8 quarterback rating. That is his single game highest since October 11th, 2009, in a game where he only threw 10 passes against the Oakland Raiders. So that makes three in the last four games where he is at a quarterback rating over 100 after going five of six games under before that. So the question is, Ed, is all of this a mirage, or he has uh, has he taken a significant stride forward in his play this year that is sustainable over the long term?
1: Well, first, I mean, can we rent the Tampa Bay defense and 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 have the Giants play against Dream it every up. week? You yeah. know, can can we do that?
0: Yeah, it would, it would <laughs> be nice if we could do that for our struggling offense as well. If we score in seven points, just to stream the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, That would be amazing.
1: Well, let's let's put it this way: the big, obviously, Eli Manning. And his future and how much longer his tenure with the Giants is going to last is a big, big question. A lot of Giants fans, to be honest, have been done with Eli for a while now. But when I look at this Giants team, especially what we've seen the last two weeks— and even if you go back to, I think it was week three when the Giants beat the uh, the Houston Texans. Right. Eli was 25 of 29 in that game. The Giants scored 27 points. He led a fourth quarter comeback in that game. What I think we've seen, especially the last two weeks when the Giants have really begun to, to get their offensive line straightened out a little bit, is... We're beginning to see what the Giants kind of drew up in the offseason, what they hoped to create. They hoped to create a situation when they drafted Saquon Barkley, first and foremost, where they would be able to run the football. And on Sunday against the Buccaneers, they ran the football very efficiently. Mm -hmm. Barkley's given them big plays here and there all year, but if you use the the advanced metrics the giants were the least efficient running team in football going into sunday and yet they ran the ball straight ahead they didn't have negative plays you know they were able to get what they wanted and what they needed on the ground the other part of that is protecting eli and yes he he was sacked four times but when he wasn't sacked Over the last two weeks, that pocket was often clean. He was able to stand there and survey the field and look and make the reads that he wanted to make. He wasn't simply, you know, checking the ball down and getting rid of it as quickly as he could to avoid sacks. For me, this is what the Giants drew up, what they hoped to see that situation where they'd be able to run the football and then have Eli be able to survey. And look at the weapons that he has in the passing game with Barkley, who's a tremendous pass receiver, maybe a better receiver than he is a runner. No. Odell Beckham, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, you know, and then you have ancillary receivers like like Rhett Ellison. Uh, you know, and and it's that kind of situation where you look at that and you look, okay, you have veteran quarterback, you protect him, he'll find the mismatch. Is it sustainable? For me, I think that's what we find out with the Giants over the second half of the season. Mm. And I have made the case, and, and I'm kind of going on and on here yeah, a little bit, I've made the case yeah. at Big Blue View with Eli. I mean, we've been talking about Eli for 11 years now, ever since I started at Big Blue View, so so I can go on forever. <laughs> but But I'll just say this. I made the case – that if he plays well, if the Giants make progress on offense in the second half of the year, he has a contract for next season. You're probably not going into week one with a rookie starting quarterback. You're probably going into next season with a placeholder. If he plays well the next six games or however long he's in the lineup before they maybe take a look at Kyle Laletta. Why can't he be the 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 quote unquote placeholder quarterback next season? The mentor for whoever they bring in, if they're having success on offense and making progress, I don't
0: know why they would be in a rush to move on. And you made a, you made some interesting points there because uh, a stat I have for you, uh, Pro Football Focus does their offensive line pass blocking efficiency metric for the season. The Giants rank 28th, tied for 28th in the league for pass blocking efficiency in the last three weeks. However, uh, they rank 11th if you isolate those three weeks. And what I saw against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that, that was really impressive, you were able to run the ball effectively on early downs. And then they were able to utilize play action from those condensed splits, those reduced splits from the wide receivers, and it really opened up the field for your weapons. Now with Odell Beckham, the Eagles will likely counter by doing what they did to Odell when they last met, which is you know going to be... What's called the cone bracket. So you're going to have a a defensive back with outside leverage up close to the line on him. He'll play a trail technique, and then you're going to have a safety deeper and to the inside. And that really limited what Odell could do against the Eagles in the first matchup. Uh, With that being the case, I I think you guys just got you know Evan Ingram back, and Sterling Shepard made made some plays. But uh, who do who would you expect if the Eagles are able to do that to Beckham? Who would you expect to have a big game? for the giants in the passing game, because I did see you guys open it up a little bit more with Barkley. And I still have to look at more, but you know, we didn't really see him on wheel routes early on in the season. I charted like his first 35 receptions and not one of them was a wheel. It was like 87% check down stuff, flat routes, you know, curl routes, uh, swing routes, stuff like that. Uh, so who, who goes off in the passing game for the giants? If the Eagles dump in all those resources to stopping Odell like they did last time.
1: Well, I think the two guys who you mentioned, Michael, Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram are actually keys to that. And, and you're absolutely right. The The amazing, frustrating, crazy part of when you look at Saquon Barkley's pass-catching numbers is the fact that, that he's caught a ton of passes. I think it's 62 passes. I don't have it in front of me, but – He's caught all all of these passes, and until the last two weeks, it was almost all checked down. It was almost all behind the line of scrimmage, dump-off kind of stuff. But in the last two games, in the game-winning drive against San Francisco, we saw a wheel route for a big play. We saw an angle route that put them down in the red zone. We've seen the Giants do the kinds of things that I watched in training camp and in the preseason that they were trying to set up, where they were using him as a weapon. You know, And the other thing is on Sunday against Tampa Bay, when they needed a play, Evan Ingram has not been playing as many snaps. But when they needed a play yeah. at the end of the game, what did they draw up? They drew up a play-action pass. Where they slid Evan Ingram past a linebacker down the middle of the field where he can use his speed just to outrun these guys. And and that's the kind of thing that we just haven't seen enough from the Giants. And and I think, you know, those kinds of things are your answer to this this bracket coverage you know it was one of the reasons they drafted Evan Ingram a couple of years ago right. was to be a weapon against this type of defense and we haven't seen it enough but now i think if if the protection holds up they have enough weapons that they should be able to to attack that kind of defense you know as i said provided that eli has the time to identify the mismatch and figure out where the ball needs to go.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, we, we're going to talk a lot about the last ma- matchup and how it translates to this one, but I feel like these teams are on two completely different trajectories with how they are playing. The, the Giants have sort of figured things out, and they've gotten things rolling on offense. The Eagles' offense was stifled for two consecutive weeks co- coming off of a bye. They can't figure out how to use Golden Tate in an effective manner with their other weapons there. It's been an issue for them. Carson Wentz is coming off his worst game as a pro, juxtaposed to Eli Manning coming off his highest rated you know quarterback rating game in in about nine years so definitely two different teams than what we saw last time that they played however I will say you know the 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 Giants defense is still something that I think the Eagles should be able to exploit on paper and you know that's why they play the games so the Giants haven't allowed a team under 20 points this year. And, you know, I look at this linebacking core and you see Alec, o- Alec, uh, Alec Ogletree, BJ Goodson and, and guys that I think can really be exploited in coverage. And then you look at the secondary and one guy that stands out for me on tape. And you tell me it, if you agree with this, but a guy that the Eagles can attack, and the Bucs kind of picked on, especially in the first half, was uh, B.W. Webb, the outside corner there. Would I be right in that assessment as one of their major weak spots in the secondary? Is there something that I'm missing there as well, just by having not seen enough yet?
1: Well, I think that the interesting thing about the secondary, I mean, B.W. Webb is pretty much a journeyman-type player. The Giants brought him in to compete basically as roster depth to – perhaps be their slot corner. When they traded Eli Apple to the New Orleans Saints, B.W. Webb moved to the outside. I do not think that B.W. Webb is any sort of a long-term answer out there. He's done an adequate job. He made an interception at the end of the game the other day. But he's he's not a shutdown guy. He's He's probably – in an ideal situation he's your third or fourth corner but the the giants just don't have that ideal situation right now neither neither do the eagles
0: to be honest with you you see all the injuries going on with us
1: oh they you know the the other thing i'll say the giants drafted sam beal in the supplemental draft which was really a 2019 type of pick they picked up tony lippett um, out of you know, off of free agency a few weeks ago, but he's coming back from an Achilles injury, and I think he's probably more of a 2019 projection. So they know they have work to do in that secondary, and they're they're. I look at that defense right now, and I
0: think they're just trying to get by. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense because the the depth is definitely not there, and the depth was something that concerned me coming into the season with the Giants, and. It certainly has reared reared its head. Like you said, you, you move on from Eli Apple. Uh, I, I didn't think he was going to pan out as a starter anyway. So then it forces you to make other moves. And it does remind me of what's going on with the Eagles secondary because you have guys playing out of position. I mean, we have a fourth round you know, nickel corner was supposed to be Avante Maddox playing, you know, as a starting safety for us. And we've gotten to the point where we've activated and are giving significant playing time to cornerbacks, Devontae Bosby, who couldn't make the team in the offseason, you know, safety, Trey Sullivan, cornerback Chandon Sullivan, and those guys have been real leaky for us. We just got back Sidney Jones from a hamstring injury. Jalen Mills is dealing with a foot. Ronald Darby is down for the year with an ACL. Malcolm Jenkins has really been the only consistent in that secondary for us so I do worry about the matchup in the passing game with the guys that you mentioned with with, with Shepard with Evan Ingram with all of the weapons that you guys have and you guys finally figuring out how to use Saquon Barkley in the passing game is definitely got to be huge but as far as the, the Eagles run defense they were solid coming in to the Saints game They were, they were one of the better units in the league and what you look at what the Giants have been able to do well again especially against you know you look at the bucks and you know the the eagles are a better run defense than the bucks but they also have a problem with their second dt spot next to fletcher cox you got guys like ty mcgill in there because haladi haladi nota can't uh, nada can't stay healthy Uh, Timmy Jernigan is still been out for a while. So yeah, I do worry about, you know, getting gashed up a little uh, up the middle a little bit that defensive line rotation isn't as robust as it has been. So that's something that I think that the Giants can definitely take advantage of uh, is, uh, is the run game and then working the play action off of it. And you don't necessarily need the run game to bump to work the play action, but it certainly does help when both are bumping, that's for sure. Sure
1: it does you know it's interesting that you that you talk about that defense because I'm thinking back to the first matchup and and the secondary is something that I thought at that point in time that the Giants were going to be able to take advantage of, and obviously that just didn't happen, but you know i I need to ask you something about this Eagles team you know I knew when the Eagles and Giants played the first time. I think it was Week Six. Mm-hmm. I thought the Giants might have an opportunity there because the Eagles were struggling a little bit. But the reality of it was, I, I think the Giants were a little shell shocked coming into that game. They had just gotten beaten four days prior, you know, by Carolina on a sixty-three-yard game-ending right. field goal, which is which is kind of familiar, <laughs> you know. I I don't know. What it is about the Giants and game-ending 60-plus-yard field goals. But but you, you you should feel good when you see the other team line up for those. But, you know, when you're the Giants, you kind of cringe at, at this point. It's like, no. You know, can we kick it from 50? Can we, can we move it to an extra point maybe? I don't know. But but here's the thing. That game was a lopsided 34 to 13 game that was probably not even that close, and I looked at it and I, I I had always thought, okay, the Eagles are the defending Super Bowl champion. Sooner or later, hopefully later, we're going to see them begin to actually look like the defending Super Bowl champion. And I thought from that game forward right. that that might be what happened. But it obviously hasn't happened. So, I mean, the the very simple, basic question is at, at the bottom of it is what the heck is going on? <laughs>
0: You know, it's interesting, and there's a lot of different theories being thrown around. And, and as you say that w- with the Giants win, I think that that's when everybody on our side, like, OK, they figured it out. They put together a complete 60 minute game, which they hadn't done all year. And then they come out against the Carolina Panthers and they they dominate them for three quarters. And then they let them back into a game and lose twenty one to seventeen after being up seventeen and nothing and then they get they they play the Jacksonville Jaguars tight and then they come out lay a stinker against the Dallas Cowboys. This team just feels like a team that wasn't ready. For the season to start, you know, they weren't ready for the 2017 season to end, which made them late when it came to the 2018 season. And that's, you know, in certain circumstances, that's fine as long as you get things rolling a little bit of a late start with a team that was banged up like the Eagles were with Nick Foles, at quarterback that really didn't concern us too much. But, you know, right now, we just haven't been able to find a rhythm whatsoever. Teams are giving us their best punch week in, week out and we're flat, and, you know, we're a talented team still. Even all the injuries in the secondary and whatnot, you know, it hasn't been that all season, but, you know, we've been – our offense – can't get rolling, and we're pretty much you know at full strength for the most part. We even traded for a guy like Golden Tate, so yeah. And you know, you look at things like you can criticize Doug Peterson for his book tour in the off season, and you know, guys like Bill Belichick don't do that. And everything that that was said in the off season, you know, the Eagles have fun, and you know, Lane Johnson said that and and whatnot. It's all kind of coming back to haunt us now, and it really does feel like this this team just never started the 2018 season in time. And that's been, you know, a major thing for us. We aren't out hustling teams. We aren't out playing teams. We aren't having fun on the field. That's for sure. We saw the New Orleans Saints, uh, you know, beating our butts by 41 points, dancing all over the place and whatnot. I don't take any umbrage with that because the Eagles were doing exactly that last year. I just hate that it's flipped around to that point where now we're the team, you know, getting beat up like that when we're a better team than that. So yeah, it it is frustrating. And you start to lose faith at some point you you can't say anymore. Okay, this is the game where they get it together. This is the game where the offense starts rolling because they haven't shown that they can put together 60 minutes only one time against the Giants and it's just it's gotten worse from there. So yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a very valid point. They aren't playing like the defending Super Bowl champions.
1: It's interesting because, you know, it was a long time ago now, but I can remember feeling the same way about the Giants. <laughs> after the 2011 season to be honest with you yeah. um they won you know they win the super bowl that year and then they come back the next the next year and they weren't awful but they just didn't play like the defending super bowl champions right they didn't have it <laughs> they were expecting that that magic that happened the year before to happen again just because it did. Yeah. And it's not a light switch, Ed. <laughs> it's- no, it's not a light switch. And, and you know, the amazing thing is in 2012, the Giants finished with the same overall record that they did in 2011.
0: Right. And that time it wasn't good enough to make the playoffs. Right. Yeah, because they so, stuck in that year. That's right. And they had to go on the road to get to the Super Bowl. Y'all had to put it together real late. It doesn't happen. You know, it doesn't happen one year
1: just because it happened the year prior and, and and maybe that's a little bit of what you're
0: going through in in Philly Yeah. And part of it too, you know, from, from week to week, we were dealing with a rolling wave of injuries and I'm not using that as an excuse, but it's part of, it's part of the equation. And, you know, the Eagles had the same thing, uh, a lot of the same thing last year where they ranked low and adjusted games lost and everything. But, you know, as they went from week to week and they lost a guy like Jason Peters and they lost, you know, they lose a guy like Jordan Hicks and lose a guy like Darren Sproles. It didn't impact us as much because we just kept winning. Uh, this team is suffering the same amount of injuries and more and they are just not rolling through it. They it, it seems like they're just they're stuck in mud. And this, I think whatever message Doug Peterson is sending to the team, and I know he's got to keep hammering it at home until it hits home, is just not resonating with the team right now. And I can't tell you why that is. I'm, I'm not in the building, but I can tell you that you know this is definitely not the same team with the same magic, with the same effort, the same accountability than it was last year. And that's it's it sucks to see because you get a quarterback that's young and you have that window where you can spend some money because he's on that rookie contract and you're just not able to put together a season uh, that's... Playoff worthy in that window.
1: Let me let me ask you this, Michael. One of the things that happens when a team you know reaches the top of the mountain, like the Eagles did, and you have you know young up and coming assistant coaches, is that your staff gets raided. Yeah. Did we did we all underestimate or just sort of look past the the idea that the that the Eagles lost Frank Reich to the Colts and John D. Filippo to the Vikings, and and, and not really recognize that that those losses were going to have an impact to the Eagles on the field.
0: Yeah, I think when you look back on it now, and we certainly we didn't feel this way at the time, but we did kind of fear it. And you know, hiring those internal candidates, and I'm not sure if they looked outside of that, but they definitely definitely didn't announce it, they just promoted from within and didn't make a whole lot of uh, noise about it. But you know, Frank Reich is doing a bang-up job in Indianapolis, and he's doing a fantastic job, too, you know, with with Andrew Luck and playing to his strengths. And they don't have a whole lot of playmakers there, but he's making it work. They've got a running back by committee. You know, they use a lot of two tight end sets like the Eagles like, like to do. You see a lot of the similar concepts, but the execution is better. They're protecting Andrew Luck much better via, you know, their designs, which the Eagles are not doing for Carson Wentz right now. And you look at what, you know, John DiFilippo had a fantastic relationship with Carson Wentz, and you wonder if that element, you know, the Carson sitting down with John DiFilippo in the film room and them ironing out things, because Filippo is a brilliant dude. You know, if the, if that's there's a disconnect with him and Grow, or he's just not the guy that Filippo is, so that's certainly coming into focus right now for the fan base. I've already you know mentioned Grow a few times now, um, but but then also the information being disseminated to uh, Doug Peterson might not be on the same level that it was last year, and that you know that kind of affects everything you know, on that front, too. So, yeah, I I think that was an underrated aspect in the offseason that we were probably quietly concerned about. And it's really starting to become the focus of what people are looking at right now.
1: You know, I guess the other thing that that we have to talk about is, you know, as we record this, it's Tuesday, it's a couple days before Thanksgiving. And, you know, neither one of our teams has a winning record at this point. And yet, you know, we're 10 games in and yet. It's not time to pack it in for either one of us. I mean, I don't know about you, but if you're a if you're
0: a Giants fan, I mean, thank God your team plays in the NFC East. Yeah, big time, man. Alex Smith goes down with that gruesome injury, which is which is terrible. Thirty three years to the day from when uh, Joe Theismann went down, which is so bizarre. And you know, it, all of a sudden, it's why creepy open. that creepy too that Theismann was in this was. In the stadium Sunday too for that game. It was like the same yard line too. Like there's so many different weird parallels to that. It's it's fascinating. But yeah, you feel awful for Alex Smith. But you know their offensive line was decimated before that. Now Alex Smith goes down and everything is absolutely wide open. And the and you you may feel a little bit better than I do right now because uh, like I said, they're tr- you know they're trending different ways. But one game could definitely change that. Uh, the door is definitely open for the Dallas Cowboys right now because they've been trending up since the acquisition of Amari Cooper and they've started to. The Figure out, you know, figure out things on offense and put some wins together, uh, which is big for them. But yeah, it's definitely not over for either team. What What matters for this game is, you know, the, the Eagles have to get back on track, and the Giants have to just continue what they've been doing for the last couple of weeks. So, with that, Ed, I'm going I'm to ask you. I'm going to throw the I'm going to throw the line out for you, and I, I want to I want you to make a prediction, and we'll we'll kind of go from there. But the Eagles are favored by six points right now with the over under at 46 points. So we're playing so they're playing in Philadelphia. The Giants are on the road playing in Philadelphia. Uh what do you think? Uh do the Giants cover? Do they win? What's your prediction for this game? Well,
1: I will definitely, Michael, I will definitely take the Giants to cover. And as much as I I want to believe that they can go into Philadelphia and win this game, I don't think I could actually objectively right Pick them to do it at this point. I just don't think that I can because, in the back of my mind, you know, it comes back to the Eagles are still the defending Super Bowl champions. You know, if you go position by position up and down the 53 man roster, they're going to be a better, more talented 53 man roster than what the Giants put together at this point. The Giants are making progress, and a huge part of that progress, a huge part of taking a step forward and becoming a good football team would be to go into Philadelphia and win a game like this. Yeah, I just can't, and, and I think it's possible. Oh, yeah. I just can't, if, if I was going to put money on the game, I just can't put money on the Giants doing it. So I think you'll see a lot of good things out of the Giants. I think you'll see a competitive football game.
0: I just can't pick them to win it. I mean that that's fair. And you and you figure. I think it's closer than a lot of people might think, just on the surface. I I, I will concede that, and I appreciate the uh, the honesty. I, th- I think. You know the the giants definitely have a path to win this game and it comes to their playmakers and if they can you know saquon barkley is is good for a crazy run or, or or a catch per game if he can put a couple of those together if odell takes a slant to the house or just straight up beats one of our dudes which is totally possible you know they can definitely put points on the board and then it becomes a question of you know can the eagles offense right now that is struggling but has weapons can they put together a complete game and keep pace if it becomes a boat race so i i will say you know with these defenses right now I'm going to put some faith in the Eagles offense and I'm also going to put some faith in the Giants defense to be able to score on this banged up secondary so I'll put it at 31 27 I'll say that the Giants cover but like you said man there's definitely a path for the for the Giants to win it's going to be a tough hard hard fought divisional game I don't see it being the type of blowout that it was last time for sure Ed man I, I think that pretty much covered is there anything that you wanted to ask me about this game or talk about or
1: no I th- I think I think we covered most of it I'm looking forward to it uh you know last year I was last year I was able to be in Philly for that game uh oh, nice. which was my my first time at the link and uh that was a uh a crazy experience I really didn't need to experience losing a game on a 61 yard field goal in Philly but <laughs> you know but I don't know, but so, so this year, I'm not going to subject myself to that. I'm going to stay home. That sounds
0: good. That sounds like a plan. Ed, man, it's always a pleasure talking with you. I'll talk to you again soon. Okay. All right. Take care.